They said lowering drug prices was a fight we couldn't win. The big drug companies have billions of dollars and an army of lobbyists. But AARP stood with our 38 million members and forced the drug companies to lower drug prices. It's a victory for all Americans. But Big Pharma won't give up, so neither will AARP. Join our fight at aarp.org slash fierce defender. That's aarp.org slash fierce defender. The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Welcome. Here we go. It's that time again. Happy Friday. It's Matt Connerton Unleashed, and we are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Also on Comcast 97 if you're in Manchester. And hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe. You can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, etc., etc. Today is a Friday, February 18, 2022, and I'm not alone. Uh, Tony LeBranch makes his return at the news desk. How are you, Tony? I'm doing well. I had a long three-week session. Oh boy! <laughs> long as in uh, there was a lot, uh, a lot to vote on, or long as in just interminable, interminable, and you couldn't wait for it to be over, or uh, a, a bit of both. Actually, it was three twelve-hour days, so it was a bit long. Those, uh, those are some long days. Yes, yes. And you brought with you uh, Rolf. Rolf, is that how you say it? Yeah, Rolf. Van Bibber. Van Bibber. Yeah. Van Bibber. German and then Dutch, but I ah. don't know how much of either I have. Understood. Oh, there's the camera. There we go. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome back. It's nice to see you again as well. We should remind people, too, now, who who are you to Tony? You you advise him in some way, or you're you're part of the uh, the independent caucus, or uh, re- refresh our memories? Uh, technically, I'm the legislative director of the uh, House Independent Caucus, but I'm also uh, involved in some of my local politics, and I'm involved in some youth politics in New Hampshire away from Tony. Oh, very good. Very good. All right. Well, we'll get into some stuff in a couple of minutes. Uh, I do want to remind everybody, of course, we are proudly sponsored by the Hopknot in the Brady Sullivan right across the street at 1000 Elm Street. Uh, Today is Friday, which means tonight they have live music and Paul Nelson uh, will be playing there live. Uh, So that is tonight at the Hopknot. And of course, they've got those delicious gourmet pretzels and that amazing assortment of craft beer. So uh, if you haven't been there yet, you definitely should go. And if you have been there, you should go again. But uh, we do love the Hopknot. They've got a lot uh, coming up for 2022. 
Um, we'll be talking uh, next week, probably, even though it'll still be a ways off, we'll be uh, talking more about Juneteenth. Uh, last year's Juneteenth uh, celebration was pretty impressive, and this year is going to be even bigger and better. So we really look forward to that, but we do uh, love the Hopknot. Uh, by the way, I did play the uh, – I know it's a little long, but I played the entire uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger address. For those who don't know what that was, uh, that was him – uh, communicating directly to the uh, Russian uh, members of the Russian military, uh, basically, uh, and to Vladimir Putin at one point too, uh, basically, but saying to the Russian military, uh, you know, essentially, uh, you don't really want to be doing this, do you? Um, and um, you know, he he speaks in English, but of course, there's uh, Russian subtitles on the screen. But I hadn't had a chance to hear the entire thing. It's a little long. It's about nine minutes long, uh, a little longer than what I usually usually I just play a song at the beginning of the show, but. I really wanted to hear the uh, hear the entire thing. I think it's just really well done. Uh, also, too, you know, Fridays are a busy day around here. Uh, after this show at 6 p.m. is Granted State of Mind, hosted by the great Rob Azevedo. And then tonight, of course, is Retro Spectrum Radio with Paul E. C. from 7.30 to 10 p.m. And I have the honor and privilege of being one of Paul's co-hosts on that show, along with our friends uh, DJ Steve and Dan Randlett. But uh, this week, the theme on retro spectrum radio is anti-war songs so uh so it will be uh very uh topical and apropos for the moment so uh really looking for, forward to that you know friday's friday's my favorite day it's uh a long day here for me but i enjoy it unlike uh what i imagine a long day at the uh, new hampshire state legislature uh, you probably don't enjoy that as much but uh <laughs> Maybe you do, but but I did notice you characterized it as a long day, so maybe not. <laughs> not so much, no. <laughs> um, also, too, I want to remind you, it is Friday, which means today we have Eric Pilcher's uh, classic film review at the top of the hour. And this week, uh, the subject is the 1994 documentary Hoop Dreams. Uh, so we will hear that in a little bit at, uh, at 5 o'clock Eastern right here on the program. And that's a very popular feature here, of course. We all look forward to... Uh, Eric's film reviews and uh, check out his website if you haven't done so already, pilcherspoint.com. Not only uh, are all the film archives archived there that he, uh, or all the film reviews, I should say, that was redundant, film archive archived. All the film reviews are archived there at pilcherspoint.com as well as uh, some of the great articles that Eric writes. Uh, so please uh, check that out. And I do want to say hello quickly to everybody in the Facebook live chat. Uh, Jenny's first one in says, Shalom peeps. Uh, Wayne Noel, all the way from Michigan, joins us. Eric Pilcher, who I was just mentioning, is in the chat room uh, as well. He says, hello, everyone. Day two of live tweeting the NCAA tournament, which I know nothing about. Uh, Mike Palapita joins. That's a basketball thing. Is that basketball or uh, uh, football or something? I know nothing about sports yeah. other than racing. Yeah, yeah. How about you, uh, Tony? Not a clue. I think it's basketball. I, I think, think that's so why. As well. I think that's why he chose hoop dreams for his film review this week. Um, Mike Pelopita joins us from another one of our great sponsors here at WMNH Queen City Cabinetry in the historic Sunbeam Mall. It's historic because, of course, it is named for General Sunbeam, New Hampshire's own. They say he's the greatest military mind since sliced bread, and apparently he's actually buried in the cement of the uh, in the basement of uh, of the uh, Sunbeam Mall. Did you guys know that? Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought See, that was a joke. You didn't expect to uh you didn't expect to learn things uh today. By the way, I can say almost anything with a straight face and not crack. You should probably know that about me. I'll take it all with a grain of salt. Yes. Uh, or a bucket, perhaps. Um let's see. I just want to make sure we don't miss anybody in here. 
Usually we have a lot of folks in here Friday. Oh, Dirk Don is uh, in the chat from Iowa. Dirk, of course, from the Arrogant Media and Java Fog YouTube channels, as well as our friend Texas Mike, who says, I'm just down the street pampering my girl with a new haircut. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, if you'd like to enter the discussion that we're about to begin today, uh, 603-250-6007 is the number to call. 603-250-6007. You can also text us at 617-917-4476. Tweet me at Matt Connerton or send an email to Matt at MattConnerton.com. And, of course, you are welcome to interact and opine in the Facebook live chat. But the best thing to do so that we can hear and enjoy your dulcet tones is to give us a call at 603-250-6007. Um, so, yeah, Tony, so what have you been um, what have you been voting on? And uh, are they, uh, are, uh, you know, it's always interesting, some of the things that come up in the New Hampshire State Legislature. Uh, sometimes... Uh, uh, sometimes there's good things. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of absurdity uh, that uh, that gets <laughs> that gets through as well as you've as you've seen up close. To say the least, I think we had 300 bills, wow. 300 bills on the calendar for this week. Wow. Um, well, this this week is referred to as Marathon Week, where we have to oh. wrap as much up as we can. So okay, long before, days. Yeah, yeah. Before we no reach doubt. the deadline. Uh, what we call the Senate crossover deadline where we have to get all our bills to the Senate. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of crazy bills did indeed pass. Uh, the first one that comes to mind <laughs> is the, uh, there's a bill that passed to make it so that you can get ivermectin. Uh, it forces pharmacists to give ivermectin to anybody who asks for it. Yeah. Um, that was a bit, uh, crazy. <laughs> so just so I understand correctly. So it would, uh, so in other words, it wouldn't be a matter of a doctor, prescribing ivermectin to a patient the patient would be able to, to just go to the pharmacy and say give me ivermectin and it would be required yep that is correct these same people by the way who of course would support that do not support uh pharmacists being able to dispense plan b upon request i'll just point that out uh i'm sure you guys realize that as well but anyway i digress yes uh <laughs> that is correct <laughs> so now so what happened with the uh what happened with that bill was it voted down it passed, oh, it, passed. It, it did pass uh just one example of uh, the few bills that were a bit absurd that did indeed pass. I mean, I don't necessarily care, I suppose, in a way. Like, if you really want to take ivermectin, I guess, whatever. Well, I, <laughs> I, I'm... I, uh, I'd rather people just got vaccinated, as I'm sure you you would agree. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm the drug decriminalization type of guy, so I guess... I, I Me too. I agreed with that, that you should just be able to get whatever you want, whenever you want, just because it's your body, your choice. Yeah. Just whichever science you believe in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, in that way, but it just felt weird that it would be specifically ivermectin and uh, other bills, you know, banning ma face masks permanently from schools and... Oh, God. Uh, prohibiting municipalities from uh, choosing to go uh, electric vehicles and all sorts of weird bills that uh, take away local control and prevent us uh, having more control when there is another pandemic or another crisis that occurs mm -hmm. where we would need those health measures. But it seems that it's just react reactionary and responding to the pandemic that we just got over. I feel like a lot of that is, um, I, I'm curious if you guys agree. I've, I've been saying this on the show for a long time now. Some, some of this, uh, you know, anti-mitigation um, that some in the Republican Party are really pushing, I feel like it's their way of trying to, um, 
you know, like they talk about wanting to limit the the governor's powers, you know, the the executive power to deal with the pandemic, and 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 so much of it to me seems like, well, why bother with it now? You know, I mean, we we seem to be at the stage, hopefully, I guess, where we're going from pandemic to endemic with it. But um, but I feel like a lot of it is just people in in the governor's own party just wanting to punish him. You yeah, know? I would say that's uh pretty pretty accurate. Like I said, it was a reactionary response. That's it doesn't really apply anymore because you know we're at the tail end of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these bills that pass sometimes really don't make sense. Where it's like now we will need the legislature to do anything. But what if there's a nuclear holocaust? Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to get all the 400 reps into a chamber to vote on these emergency orders or declarations yeah. of emergency because, you know, the pandemic's not the only emergency that we'll ever face in our lifetimes, you know. Right. Things happen, you know, hurricanes, uh, other uh, issues like that, war, whatever. So tying the governor's hand in that regard is a bit problematic because states of emergencies are made for emergencies. and. She simply changed the entire statute based off of this one incident of the pandemic is, I believe, uh, a bit misguided. We don't like him believing in science. <laughs> and, and the way that they <laughs> the way that they want the legislature to lead this discussion about how to handle an emergency situation is just so lengthy. We they filed so much coronavirus related uh, legislation last year, this year. Mm -hmm. if, if you sit down in the House of Representatives and you watch Health and Human Services. Like when we start voting on those bills, it's like just four pages long of bills. Just yeah, debate about coronavirus constantly <laughs> and choice, and then and then there's debates online on social media and sometimes in committee about you know like hive minds and big tech and big big pharma yeah. in relation to coronavirus. It's it's all very sporadic in yeah. the way that they want to govern it. So I I think that in terms of emergency orders, I mean obviously. The legislature should have some control in that, and they mm -hmm. should have they should have say absolutely. Yeah. But in the case that they can't organize, or in the case that they organize like they are now, uh, it would be more efficient to have somebody who can just make a decision. Yeah, I think there are, are examples where you know you certainly want um, the chief executive to have some executive power. You know, and and uh, I think that um, an emergency is is you know exactly when you want that. And of course, here in New Hampshire, we have a somewhat of a constitutionally weak uh, governorship, you know, because he has the executive council to answer to in terms of uh, uh, bills uh, involving the, the budget. I, I'm not sure all the mechanics of how that work, but... Um, I would say we do have, like, one of the weakest governors in, in terms of actually having the power because he is checked on by the executive executive council, so... Yeah, yeah. They have negatives on each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's other states like that, too, like in uh, Texas, from what I understand. Um, the governorship there is very weak. It's actually the lieutenant governor who has most of the power because they preside over the state Senate. And the uh, the governor is actually more of a, a figurehead in some ways. So New Hampshire is not um, unusual in that way. But, you know, and of course, we have these arguments, too, about the presidency. And, you know, every time we get a new president and they start signing the executive orders, you know, if it's a... Uh, uh, if you have a Democrat who's president, the Republicans get mad about it. And if you have a Republican who's president, the Democrats get mad about it. And it's like, well, yeah, but everybody's so nakedly partisan about it, too. And I can say that to you guys, being yeah. that you're independents. You know, everybody's so partisan. You know, they when it's their own guy, they don't have any complaints about it. But when it's uh, when it's somebody on the other is on, on the other team, they're they're just uh, 
they're like, oh, he's out of control with the executive orders. It's like, uh, come on. And oh boy, can I talk about partisanship after this week? <laughs> it is. It's like cats and dogs in there. If they're voting green, we're voting red. And if they're voting red, we're voting green. It's uh, it's not even about the issues anymore. And some yeah. of these debates aren't good faith debates. Yeah. And you know, uh, I want to say like a good fourth of the bills, they just simply tabled, which means just end the debate and don't even discuss those bills just because they didn't want to have that debate. Yeah. Because if, if it got recommended to kill the bill, they just didn't want to ra- waste time with it and they just killed a lot of bills. Yeah. Which is actually what happened to our um, recording of public officials bill that we were talking about previously, um, which would allow for the recording of public officials as a exemption in current uh, wiretapping statute. Um, it was just tabled. No debate at all. And you would think that at least letting the representatives share their opinion to the entire house or share their, you know, logical conclusion that they came to on the house floor so that we can actually convince people and have a debate mm-hmm. on the issues would be what the house is supposed to do. Yeah. But they just they just end a debate before we could even talk about it for most of these bills, which is just a, a miscarriage of democracy. Yeah. And so many legislators just don't even look at the legislation and they just see you know, the colored folders that will go up oh, by yeah. their party leadership and just vote that way. They'll be on their phones and they just glance up every time they hear a vote, a vote called. Yeah. It's disheartening, really, to just see how many people are so disengaged and mm-hmm. just watching the party leaders bigger with each other. Yeah. Well, it's really a microcosm in that sense, I think, of what, I, what I've always felt happens nationally in this country. And I'm sure it happens uh, other places, too. But, you know, with the two-party system— and, you know, people like to operate uh, from a standpoint of partisan ideology. So I think it, it kind of, if you, if you buy into that and that's how you behave and that's how you think and that's how you vote, you really don't have to know anything about anything. You know, <laughs> you have your herd that you've chosen to run with and, uh, well, I don't know anything about this, but uh, what do they think? Well, that's what I think, too. You know, so at the end of the day, you really don't you, you don't have to have any opinions or thoughts on the issues. You they don't even have to think about whether they agree with it. They just agree with it. Right. Exactly. Or they just disagree with it because, oh, the other team agrees with it. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And one of the other bills that did come up was and one of the bills that did get the, the, the debate cut off was the conversion therapy bill. And a lot of people are confused on my vote on that one because that one was one of the publicly recorded votes. Oh. And I voted against uh, ending the debate on it because we hadn't even started the debate on it. But uh, I know the bill was going to fail anyway, so I wanted to hear the debate and actually partake in that debate. Um, But some of these controversial bills, they just end the debate so they don't get embarrassed by themselves. (laughs) Um, But getting teased by the other representatives for being pro-conversion therapy when I'm just pro-democracy and I want to actually hear the, the debate on the substance of the legislation itself. So we should clarify a couple of things. So conversion therapy, of course, is when, you know, you, you as a you as a gay person, you can go and uh, if I understand this correctly, you can go and see someone and they'll uh, uh, convert you uh, either, I suppose, using uh, some sort of uh, made up uh, magical therapy or or they, you know, the pray away the gay. There's also that. Yeah. There's a few um, different methods. Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. There's some that are usually that are there's some that are just talk therapy and a lot of them are faith. Um, based so yeah having very re- religiously um, driven discussions with somebody uh, and this bill specifically was for minors and most minors that go into conversion therapy uh, do it unwillingly and their parents send them to conversion therapy yeah um, so that's 
screwed up have, yeah. have, having children debate whether or not they fit with their beliefs and whether God still loves them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's <laughs> there's some uh, versions of conversion therapy that are just straight up camps for physical abuse. And yeah. if you're just not gay, then, you know, yeah. sit with a backpack uh, full of rocks and a brick <laughs> wall. That's that's a genuine story. Yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's it's uh, ridiculous. I remember uh, Chris Christie. Um, who, you know, I mean, he's a Republican, but he's not the most conservative guy necessarily. When he was governor of uh, New Jersey, he actually uh, signed a law banning uh, conversion therapy for minors so that you, you cannot uh, you cannot do that to your child. Um, whereas I'm sure, you know, some of the uh, southern governors would uh, probably not uh, do that. But the, the not to be, you know, northeastern elitist, but it does seem like uh, northeastern Republicans are a little more uh, enlightened on that kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, conversion therapy was banned in New Hampshire a few years ago. Oh, it was? Yes. Completely or just for minors? I For minors, I think. I, okay. I this bill was, was to remove it from, from minors because it yeah, wouldn't make sense. I know that this was a repeal, Yeah. so that's why I wanted to debate oh, the bill. Oh, oh. So I wanted to ask whatever individual wanted to speak in favor of repealing this ban on conversion therapy. I just wanted to ask them on the House floor in public, do you think I have an illness for being gay? Because, you know. I wanted to see the answer to that. Um, but, you know, like I said, because of these partisan politics, they just, they know that's not going to look good for them. So they just ended the debate before we could even get to it. So that's why you wanted to have the debate. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a real discussion to talk about. Like, if you're going to yeah. bring up that idea, no, that's, you're talking about psychologically or physically abusing children in some cases. Mm-hmm. And still, that's, that's a very intensive therapy, even if there is no cases of abuse. And just brushing it off. Yeah, and and having um, a member of the LGBT community who is in the Republican Party table it feels, I believe it was in his own will. Uh, I talked with him earlier today, but it's strange. I feel like if we're going to at least have that much symbolism, we should have the discussion. We need right. to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's such a it's such a strange concept. Uh, not only you know, of course, people who think it's an illness or or, or people who think it's a choice, right? Like you just choose, you know. Like you just choose your sexuality, you know, like I, I've always thought of it this way. You know, I, I as a heterosexual person, I didn't uh, I didn't choose my sexuality. I didn't choose to be attracted to women. You know, I just uh, I just am. It just happened, you know, as I was growing up, you know, get to that point, you know, start checking out the babysitter a little bit, you know. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening, but Valerie, <laughs> Valerie was very attractive, you know, and then, you know, and you just, you know, you start to have the thoughts and, and whatever. But I, but at no point in my development did I make a choice, a conscious yeah. decision to be attracted to women. It just happens. So um, so I've always said, you know, when people talk about it being a choice, I always say, well, I didn't choose to be straight. You yeah. didn't choose to be straight. So why would you presume that anyone else would choose their sexuality? It's just something that, that happens, you know. Plus, I believe in the spectrum anyway. I don't think there's, you know, it's not like a... It's not clear-cut binary, at all. It's not a binary thing, you know. I mean, I think you can be all the way on one end or the other, yeah. but it's certainly... <laughs> Most people don't fit in on those ends, for right, sure. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so that so so what ended up happening with that then, the conversion therapy bill? It they, just, they tabled it, which means no more debate, no more discussion. And so it, nothing will change yeah. with it? Okay. It's probably going to die, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we actually didn't get through all our bills these past three days. Uh, yeah. They ended the session early last night after uh, I caused a bit of a 
a bit of drama Ooh, on the house floor. Well, well, I want to hear about this. I love drama. <laughs> so I'll just give the backstory real quick. Um, so a few Republicans, a few uh, Republican members of the House. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Made anti-Semitic comments, and the GOP decided to draft a resolution supporting Israel and having these GOP reps that had said anti-Semitic stuff to sign the bill because they wanted to save face. Ah, and they wanted to prove to their donors that they are not anti-Semitic. So this resolution would support Israel and the location of the embassy therein. Oh, that's their big thing. That, yeah, the, 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 you know yeah. they yeah the embassy is in <laughs> Jerusalem and it's symbolic and yeah yeah obviously there's a lot more nuance to it than it's the capital of Israel. That's where our embassy should be. So I had. The chairman of my committee, state and federal relations, try and convince me not to fight it on the floor. But obviously, as we can probably tell from my track record, I don't really listen to anybody. I'm a free agent. Um, well, that's how you ended up in independent, <laughs> right? Yep. You directly yeah. oppose authority. It's yeah. the greatest yeah. feature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I brought forward an amendment that would clean up the resolution a bit because... As I said right now, it says we support Israel and we support the moving of the capital, but there's no nuance. So what my amendment would do is say that we support Israel, but we also acknowledge the right of the Palestinian people to exist. And we also support the Israeli-Palestinian peace process. You know, mm -hmm. everybody can agree on peace, or at least I thought. Well, um, <laughs> so at least you thought. Yeah. I brought this amendment forward. It failed in committee. Uh, so I brought it up this week because that's when we were voting on the resolution. And yeah, uh, I gave my speech in favor of the amendment, introducing the amendment. And then at, shortly after, it just went off the rails. Yeah. It, I didn't go off the rails, but it went off the rails. Yeah. Uh, we had a representative say that all Palestinians are part of Hamas and Hamas wants the death to Israel. Well, a little clarification. He, w he was... The representative that said that was quoting a representative of the Palestinian people. I don't remember exactly what position he was quoting. Okay. Um, but they had said something that, you know, was... Very controversial. Radical. Yeah. Very controversial. Yeah. Uh, and this representative took that and ran with it. Uh, and when somebody had made a point of order saying that you can't generalize the entire Palestinian people based off of this one radicalist comment, yeah. he actually said, yes, I can. Because he's the representative <laughs> of their people. Wow. Yeah. It, <laughs> Yikes. It very quickly went off the rails. Um, a few other representatives spoke after after myself. Um, and it was it was messy, to say the least. And it was one of those few bills that we actually had a recorded vote on. I requested it. Yeah. Uh, the Democrats actually refused to back me up on that one because I wanted to see who stands for peace yep. and who does not. It's a simple question do you yeah. support peace in the middle east or do you not uh and, and sadly um my amendment failed 
And I was actually surprised that a lot of the Democratic leadership voted against my amendment. Really? So apparently, former Speaker of the House, I won't say his name, also does not support peace. Uh, and, and a lot of these Democratic leaders, and I was just, uh, I, I was appalled when I when I woke up and I actually read the votes. Um, and then, obviously, my amendment failed and we had to vote on the actual bill itself. And still contentious and still surprised by who voted against and who decided to, quote, take a walk. That's what we say when you leave the chamber to refuse to vote. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to take a position on it. I was very surprised at some of these members that just left uh, no, to no not kidding. take a vote. So. Wow. The amendment was really just another example, or the vote on the amendment at least, was another example of just that negative partisanship. You have a bad relationship with the House Democratic, or well, with the Democratic Party, not the House Democratic leadership in particular, but they still do have that sort of bias against you when they're making decisions. And I think that this amendment would have been a very Democratic like amendment, if you would think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're talking about peace in the Middle East. You would think that the Democrats would love to pick that up for their platform. Yeah, um, yeah. but that's not the case. Yeah, <laughs> not when not when the branch is on the on the amendment. <laughs> no, no. So they're, so they're holding the grudge, huh? No, they are. And it, speaking of a grudge, uh, last time we were here, we had Representative Reed, who's also my other independent of the House. Yes, Alan Reed. Yep. Yes, she. Uh, we were voting on her ranked choice voting bill this week. Uh huh. Uh, and this is the one that would allow for primaries, uh, uh, party primaries to be ranked choice voting if they party opted into it and it would allow municipalities to opt into ranked choice voting if they wanted to just allowing people to choose if they want ranked choice voting for their elections more basically. local control yeah. Much. yeah and she had the votes she had 30 republican representatives willing to vote in favor of the bill yeah and assuming that all the democrats would vote in favor of it because on their we call it the cheat sheet where it's all the democratic positions it said democrats on the committee of election law unanimously support this bill vote yes on this bill and guess who did not follow their own recommendations democratic party leadership wow. because it was ellen's bill no kidding and she had worked so hard she's been working for six years to try and get this passed and it to die simply basically as revenge to her for <laughs> leaving the party well not leaving the party she was forced out of the party and that's a whole other story but yeah it's just disgusting some of these partisan shenanigans that occur in the house where good legislation dies because of personal retribution yeah so that's what happened to ranked choice voting is we would have gotten it but no and that's just on the democrat side i mean can you imagine what the libertarians of all have felt you know some some members who have left the Rep republican party to mm -hmm. become libertarians or independents i mean they sure deal with some of that stuff too but they oh, have yeah. they have to either fix that relationship or not run again. Yeah. Um, so it's all kind of hidden mm -hmm. because these people have to fix these relationships or at least to the public look like they are. If they're not running again, then they can speak about it like Tony. But it's, it again, it's just disheartening. Like these are good bills. This is good legislation. And yeah. we're just either not discussing it or we're completely turning our back on the people that we said we support because of the color next to their name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, ideology is so, partisan ideology is so toxic that way. It, it gets in the way of so much. And I, I, I think, though, you, you know, you mentioned on, on the Republican side with the Libertarians, I think this is just my perception. You know, I've, I've never served in the House, but, you know, obviously I've talked to a lot of people who have. 
I feel like um, on the Republican side, it you're probably less likely to, if you're a Republican and you leave the party and you declare yourself a libertarian, you're probably a lot less likely to receive the kind of acrimony that you do if you're a Democrat and you leave the party and become an independent like you have because, and and maybe, maybe I'm wrong and, and you guys tell me if I am because you see it up close, but I've always had the perception that Republicans in some ways kind of actually look up to libertarians like oh wow you know they're they're so pro free they're even more pro freedom than i am they're they're liberty you know and plus I, I don't know if i said it to you guys i can't remember who i said it to but i i've said on the show you know i mean i think a lot of libertarians are genuine but i think also a lot of libertarians are really just conservative republicans who want to be able to smoke pot without being judged by their peer group so they call themselves libertarians, you know, and I think during the Trump era, we saw a lot of those folks who, you know, call themselves. Geez, I've even heard people like Tucker Carlson and Glenn Beck call themselves, you know, small L libertarians. And it's like, come on, dude, there's nothing libertarian about you guys yeah. at all. You're conservative Republicans. But when you want to look cool, you call yourself libertarian. I don't know. I mean, what do you what do you guys think? Do 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 libertarians get less flack when they Leave the because I've had a, a couple on the show that have done that exact thing, uh, like uh, Brandon Finney, Caleb Dyer. Caleb, I love Caleb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Caleb. I think I've only had him on once, but yeah, great guy. And he's not still in the house though, right? No, he didn't run for he's, he's yeah, and I know Brandon isn't either. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I definitely agree. I think that libertarianism has kind of just become almost a symbol for uh, conservative Americans or the Republican Party. I, it, what comes to mind immediately is my neighbor. Uh, he has quite a few Trump signs in his yard. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he knows the election is over. Um, <laughs> but he's also flying the American flag upside down in the distress position. Yeah. Uh, a thin blue line flag. Uh-huh. And the Gadsden flag. Yeah. I, on an ideological and, you know, on, on a just genuinely... I don't know, practical basis. I don't think that you can have the thin blue line flag next to the Gadsden flag. Right. And say, like, without any sort of clarification, without, without, I don't know. It, it just feels like you can't put sense. those next yeah. to each other without having some sort of self-check there. Right. Like, he went out there and put that up in his yard. Yeah. He was like, yeah, the Gadsden flag. I love liberty. I love America. I love freedom. And then he was like, also the cops, because I hate Democrats. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And, he, and, of course, he loves Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that really struck me. And, by the way, I'm not—I'm uh, certainly not saying all libertarians. I, I know a lot of libertarians who— In fact, uh, we have Dirk Don in the Facebook live chat who describes himself as a left libertarian. I'm a libertarian, yeah. And I think he's—oh, okay. And I, you know, and I think a lot of libertarians are very sincere. But I'll tell you what, though. I was— um, Going into the 2016 election, I was kind of stunned at how many libertarians I like. I know a lot of free staters, and I was, and, and I'm still stunned by it. How many libertarians got on the Trump train and just fell in love with Trump? And it's like, what the hell? I mean, yeah, he wants to cut some regulation. I guess that makes him a libertarian to these people. It's it's really bizarre i mean he, you know in a lot of ways you could say he's an authoritarian I, I don't but but man they they couldn't wait to join that cult a lot of them not yeah. not not all of them certainly but uh so my i i guess i'll my 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 father uh was a registered libertarian in the state that we moved here from 
and he only changed party registration so that he could vote here and so that he could vote for as a Republican. Uh, and we had this discussion about a year ago about Trump, whether he does actually follow the libertarian values and, you know, freedom as he advertises on. Uh, and I talked about his executive orders on gun restrictions, mm -hmm. his freedom of speech positions, um, yep. the way that he's kind of a hypocrite uh, based off of like freedom of speech positions, mm -hmm. uh, nitpicking which protests are okay right. and which protests are terrorist organizations. <laughs> um, and I, I just genuinely don't think that there are many federal libertarians at all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Dirk, I apologize. He's a uh, liberal libertarian, not a left libertarian. Um, he also says in all caps, say taxation is theft, which I will not say because I don't agree. Well, he did just say it, though. He's well, got the clip. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he, can, he can clip it and say, see what Matt Connerton uh, says? I usually do that to other, but he could do that to me. Um, by the way, so Jenny uh, did. did uh, Jenny mentions... Uh, Al Baldessero in the uh, chat room. What, has Al had any involvement? Was he involved in the whole uh, uh, the, the Israeli bill there? Yes, <laughs> he is the chairman of criminal uh, state and federal relations and veterans affairs. Sorry, I had a moment there. Yeah. Um. So he had been trying to convince me not to, as I said, make a speech on House Concurrent Resolution Seven, the Israeli resolution. He he was a bit mad. Um, <laughs> A bit. <laughs> Do you want to share the story since I'm not supposed to talk about other representatives? And Oh, so as a member of the public. Um... <laughs> I love a good Al Baldessero story. And by the way, for the record, I like Al personally. I just find his politics uh, repulsive. Oh, yeah, I, I get do. along with him, but, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, we don't see eye to eye on the issues, but he's a, he's a genuine Al's a nice guy. guy yeah. yeah, and he does a tremendous amount for veterans. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Super charitable. Yeah. Um, I was informed, I'm looking at the camera now, I was informed <laughs> uh, that the Democratic ranking member of the State and Federal Relations Committee had made an agreement with the chairman of the uh, State and Federal Relations Committee that we would just kind of drop the discussion on House Concurrent Resolution 7 and that there wouldn't be any debate on it and we would just vote on it or table it. Um, and a certain representative uh, who went independent recently <laughs> decided no and told the uh, chairman of that committee that he was going to debate anyways. And that chairman, he definitely uh, let him know that he'd be up for a fight. Yeah. And he was. I believe the debate was about 45, 50 minutes long. It was a lot more long and emotional than I thought it would be. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Um, wh how what's what's Al's position on the uh, conversion therapy? I'm, uh, I'm just kidding. We all already know yeah, Al's well. position on that. <laughs> <laughs> we all already know. <laughs> By the way, uh, Tom Blanchard in the Facebook live chat says, uh, "So many labels, I'm lost." You know, referring to left libertarian versus liberal li libertarian. What kind of a libertarian are you, Rolf? You describe yourself as a libertarian. I I think liberal libertarian is a good description, but I also think that the word liberal has the meaning of the word liberal has cringe changed oh yeah significantly yeah uh so if i were to call myself a liberal i'd call myself a classical liberal i definitely agree with a lot of modern liberal ideologies such as you know do whatever you want with your sexuality uh if you want to be transgender do it mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a medical choice in my opinion um but i don't agree with a lot of the gun control things i don't agree with a lot of the things that don't typically align with 
what liberal used to mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, by the way, what do you have a Tony? Do you have a way that you describe yourself ideologically or? I used to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now what, what? I'm going through some soul searching. I would yeah, say yeah. right now, yeah. where it's like, the longer I'm in the house, the less I, like, the more I see how corrupt and how morally bankrupt it is. <laughs> that I, I should we even trust politicians uh, at all? Um, I don't trust you. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it, it's just disheartening the longer I spend time there in Concord. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you've already said you're not. Uh, are, are you uh, standing by that decision? You're not. You're not going to rerun. I'm not going to run again. But there's a lot of representatives on both sides of the aisle that actually do want me to run again. Oh. Um. I had. Uh, yeah. A, a good few Republicans, a good few Democrats, all want me to run again. But. Uh, Maybe you can run for speaker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been a long running joke that I should run for speaker next term. But uh, yeah. Don't think it will happen. No. <laughs> Dirk in the chat says, unfortunately, people translate classical liberal as conservative, which is incorrect. I, I mean, libertarian classical liberal, like, do whatever you want with your body. Almost hippie borderline. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, classier, I think. <laughs> I don't want to offend any hippies. I'm friends with a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Uh, if anyone would like to enter the discussion, 603-250-6007 is the number, 603-250-6007. Uh, some great comments in the uh, Facebook live chat about what we've been talking about. Oh, except I have to refresh the browser to see them all. Facebook has been so uh, wonky this week. Let's see. Um, I can see some of them. It's big tech. They're attacking the show. Hmm. <laughs> I know people who really, uh, really believe that. <laughs> you you say it in jest, but I know people who genuinely believe. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's see. All right, I've got. Uh, oh, Tom Blanchard says Arnold for president, in all caps, referring to the the uh, clip I played of his address. Oh, by the way, well that reminds me of something. We'll come back to the Facebook comments in a, in a moment. I I specifically wanted to ask you guys. Has there been anything in the New Hampshire House regarding Russia and Ukraine, like a vote about, you know, we stand with Ukraine or anything like that? Because that can get dicey because you've got, of course, I mean, I think it's ever shrinking, but you've got the pro-Putin, pro-Russia wing of the Republican Party, you know, the the Tucker Carlson wing, I suppose you could say. But you've also got, um, I, I've been seeing it more online, but you've got, you know, commentators like... Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jackson Hinkle, who I've I, I'm kind of fascinated by, but in a very negative way. There's uh, some people in the online left who are also uh, kind of pro pro Russia, pro Putin, which is very strange. So I'm seeing it on both sides, but probably more so um, with the Republicans. But uh, what what have you guys seen of that? And and have there been any bills on it? Uh, well, there's no bills just because it's. The um, we're only allowed to draft bills like one week in September, which is something I've been critical of for a while now. I didn't realize that. Yep. So wow. Yeah. No bills. Everything's drafted in September, and that's what we deal with for the rest of the year. I had no idea. Yep. And what we work on, and there was a re well. There are for resolutions. That's different. The mm. speaker, if he thinks it's unanimous, can just have a resolution, and if nobody objects, then it's just 
be it resolved, the House stands by this. He did do one for Ukraine and calling for peace and all that. And I think almost every single prayer that we, because we start with a prayer every day yeah, at yeah. the House. Yeah. Every single prayer has mentioned Ukraine and the people of Russia. And I hope it's the, I hope it's a good good Christian prayer. I would say so. I hope it's not inclusive of uh, you know because God wouldn't like that. <laughs> But yeah, we can all have opinions on what happens there on the house floor. I don't think religion really has a, a place. Uh, well, I think people should keep religion at the door because it should be, you know. No, I agree. I'm a, a big secular I'm, government. I'm, I'm so. a big. Uh, I'm a big separation of church and state guy. Um, but in regards to the current conflict in Ukraine, I guess I would say I'm so. How do I even say that? Just. I don't know. What I feel like. <laughs> It's. I'll just let you speak. Oh, he's no, letting me speak. I'm processing. I don't know what he's thinking about this time, but I'll fill it with my commentary. <laughs> uh, I think that the split that you were talking about with you know leftists and some conservatives suddenly supporting Putin and being out there with their support of Putin, even though most well, not, Americans not, not suddenly. Well, not not suddenly, it's, it's but building. I mean they're being they're being um, coming forward with it now. Yeah, like, yeah. They're being very forth with it. Yeah. Uh, I think that is another idea where there's a party split between more authoritarian uh, leaning members and some more libertarians. Yeah. So I think that a lot of, or I can't speak for them because I'm not them, but there are leftists that support uh, Russia in this debacle because they believe in the Soviet Union and, you know, that Russia will one day be the greatest nation of all and that <laughs> You know, we can finally solve the world. Um, They're like uh, the the rednecks who put the South will rise again bumper stickers on their pickup trucks. Yeah, they, but they, instead they, they, it's but, a hammer but, and sickle. But they believe, right, they believe the hammer and sickle will rise again. And there's, yeah, <laughs> there's tons of people that genuinely believe that. And I'm sure yeah. there's some listening to this right now. Well, but. we've seen a few of the Russian tanks with Soviet flags on them. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah I, I've oh, So I um take an AP human geography class in my high school right now. And I've had a few discussions about this because rather than actually talk about the AP curriculum, I tend to go into current issues and distract my class. <laughs> uh, my teacher was talking about how he also teaches at a college and he had some Russian students come in and he was talking about Stalin in his in the lesson that he was teaching that day. And these Russian students were pissed really? that he was talking bad about Stalin. They were saying he was the greatest leader, that, that he is the wow. soul of Russia. And I, I think that that's fascinating. I to can't me. speak from an informed position on huh. this, but I, I think that the information in Russia has has you know kind of gone back to. Well, it, it, it's a cultural thing where yeah. these people have well, they lived under the Soviet Union for seventy odd years. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I will just say in some cases there is some nostalgia for the past and the greatness of the Soviet Union because of this propaganda that ha they had, you know, lived under for so many years. So there are some Russians that genuinely do believe that they are building back the glory of the former Soviet empire, but... Um... The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. 
Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Why should you visit Kings Island? Do it because less time planning means more time for this. Do it to take a one-day family vacation. Do it to catch a serious case of the giggles together. And of course, do it to eat a funnel cake the size of your face. Because here at Kings Island, doing something just for the fun of it is all the reason you need. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. Kings Island tickets just $45 online. There may be something universal, though, in that, too, in that I think probably, for example, in the United States, you know, we're we're supposed to believe that we're we're always the good guys and we we you know, we haven't uh, you know, you, you talk about slavery or whatnot in schools and people are, are people on the right are furious. Oh, that's critical race theory or whatever. You know, so I think that it, it kind of it's probably true in most countries, actually, to some degree. In Russia, probably more than than many because, you know, you've got a a state-run media there. So, of course, you you have a lot of Russians who even now at this moment, I mean, some of them are are getting the truth. um, But but a lot of them, I'm sure, you know, are fully uh, in support of Putin and what he's doing because they believe. And why wouldn't they? Why shouldn't they, right? You can't really blame them necessarily. They believe the line about, oh, really, the Ukrainians, they had Russian, they had weapons of mass destruction. And um, so I, I think some Sounds of that— Sounds like the justification for Iraq. It does, yes, yes. Um, what was the other thing? I Oh, yes, yeah, so Putin thought uh, that uh, they would be greeted as liberators. Also another thing that— uh, <laughs> a phrase that we've heard in our own history. Uh, yes. So uh, I'm about to put myself on a few more watch lists than I'm already on right now. But in discussions that we've had um, about the secession bill that we had in... in oh, oh yes. that's another thing we voted on. I yeah. Oh, boy. Almost forgot about that. We did debate that one, though. That um, was last week, right? Yeah, last week. And I was there for the committee hearing as well. The people that spoke at the committee hearing were talking about American history with Iraq and you know, everything that we really do. The fact that we still even have an exemption in the 13th Amendment is kind of, what are we doing? We, the we, exemption being... Yeah, clarify that. Uh, you know, in the 13th Amendment, it says, we're banning slavery unless... Unless you're a criminal, and also, we get to pick who the criminals are. Ah. Uh, so yeah. there you go. Yeah, and that's yeah. when, you know, that was a compromise with the former slave states of the South, and, you know... We'll just arrest all the freed slaves and sell them back to the plantation, mm-hmm. which is actually one of the bills we were supposed to discuss yesterday, but we didn't get to. Ah. Yeah. So that that was that's older American history, but now we have now. The American military is huge. Yes. We can do almost anything we want. And that's like the American federal government is just so powerful. Yeah. And yeah. now that we think about you know, what the Ukrainians have, um, what say that they have in their governance, and the Russian people, what say that they have in their governance. We compare that to America. We still have the First Amendment. I can't come onto the radio and talk about these topics in Russia. But there are arrests and riots Mm -hmm. at protests. There are police-incited violence, or instances of police-incited violence. Um, We aren't innocent. We aren't perfect. Right. Uh, and honestly, I, I don't think that the way that we govern ourselves in America specifically is free. 
there's one watch list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the right show for it. Yeah, but I, I, we need to be very self-critical when we talk about other nations this way because I think that it's a huge issue here as well. Mm-hmm. And for there's, sure. And there's nothing, there's nothing unpatriotic about being self-critical, you know, because a lot of people who... You know, people will wrap themselves in the. Actually, I think it's funny the, the people who wrap themselves in the flag who are also pro secession. It's like they love America so much they just can't wait to leave it. <laughs> but um, but there's nothing unpatriotic about being self critical, and and that that's a uh, something I always say to people who you, you know they get into this sort of my country right or wrong thing. And it, you know the the analogy that I always use. I don't have any children of my own, but I've always used the the uh, the parenthood analogy that if you if you have a child. You want your child to be the best that they can be, and if they're misbehaving, you're going to correct that behavior. You're going to discipline them or whatever it is you have to do. You're not just going to say, oh, well, I can't discipline my child because that means I don't love my child. But at, at, at what point are you wrong? Because I'm 17. I still have arguments with my parents often. Yeah. Um, and there are situations where parents just, I believe, are genuinely wrong, such as conversion yeah. therapy we were talking about earlier. Right, right. I think that the government is wrong in a lot of instances. Sure. <laughs> and we kind of just force that onto people and accept it because it's a party platform. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, the war on drugs or whatever else horrible policy that somebody comes up with at the top. Yeah. 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 War on drugs. That's something I'd like to end. That's for sure. Um, well, we are at the top of the hour. So what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to do uh, Eric Pilcher's classic film review. This week, the subject is Hoop Dreams. Are you guys going to stick around for uh, for the rest of the show? Sure. Yeah. All right. I'd, I'd love it if you did. Love love talking to you guys. This is great. All right. So uh, Tony and uh, Rolfer here, and we're going to listen to Eric's uh, review, and then we'll show some love to our amazing sponsors. And then we'll be back with the remainder of our program uh, this is Matt Connerton Unleashed, and we are live. Don't go anywhere. Here it is. Eric Pilcher's classic film review of the 1994 documentary Hoop Dreams. And now I want to, you know, play in the NBA like anybody else would want to be. That's who, that's, that's something I dream, think about all the time, you know, playing in the NBA. He's doing something that he loves so much. He just loves it so much, and you know, I'm just happy for him. If somebody can understand the way William played, that'll make me feel a lot better. I said, well, they they should have understood the way I played. the voices of William Gates, Arthur Agee, and their families the summer before their freshman year of high school. 
both dream of making it to the NBA. What follows is a three-hour journey spanning four years of their lives as they try to rise out of poverty and achieve their dream. Hoop Dreams is a documentary released in 1994 and is directed by Steve James. The film was originally meant as a 30-minute documentary for PBS covering a specific playground. However, after meeting Gates, A.G., and their families, the crew made a decision to make a documentary chronicling the lives of these two young men. As the documentary begins, they are recruited from the playgrounds of the infamous Cabrini Green Projects in Chicago, Illinois, to play for legendary high school basketball program and private school St. Joseph's, which is located in suburban Chicago. For William Gates, he becomes an instant star. He starts on the varsity squad immediately, something not even St. Joe's alum and NBA Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas achieved, and acclimates himself to his new environment well. Arthur, on the other hand, is relegated to the freshman squad and struggles to adapt to the mostly white school environment, high academic standards, and eventually the partial tuition his family is responsible for. The latter ends up getting him kicked out of St. Joe's due to an unpaid balance his sophomore year. In the first clip, we hear a disheartened Arthur talk about having to leave St. Joe's. And in the second clip, we hear his public school counselor and public school coach explain the problems with him joining mid-year and what they think the issue really was with Arthur at St. Joe. I had got called down to the office. Brother Leo wanted to talk to me. And he was telling me about how much certain money my mom had to pay for me to stay in school. And they said, if she don't have by this time, you got to stay out till she pay it. And I was staying out like two and three weeks and stuff. By the end of the freshman year, Whatever balance there was for tuition was never taken care of. Consequently, going into the sophomore year, we had the balance plus the new tuition, so that it was going to continue to become a problem. Whatever scout that they have come out to these different neighborhoods and scout out these little basketball players and get them to come to their school and offer them these scholarships, then once they get out there, the story is totally different. I was under the impression that Arthur would have help as far as getting to school. Arthur would have help in getting his books. Arthur would have help. But see, none of that occurred. Finally, with the AGs owing $1,500 in back payments, St. Joseph's forced Arthur to leave the school. I thought Pingatoy never helped me out, but... You have to draw the line because, as I said, tuition is something that, as a school, we depend on for 90% of our revenue. I guess he thought, I, you know, I wasn't going to be that big of a ball player, so why would he just waste some money on me to stand there? Well, you know, he thought I wasn't going to grow. He kept on saying, like, when are you going to grow or something like that? And I, well, I don't know. If I had to know all of this was going to lead to this, Arthur would have never went to St. Joseph. 
I mean, if I had known that he was going to have to go through this type of pain and myself, the anguish of it, and then to put him out in the middle of a school year. And now, our second scene. Arthur is accepted at the public high school near his home. He's been out of school for two months and lost a whole semester's credit. Here you have a youngster caught in the middle of two separate school systems. Had he stayed at St. Joseph's, he would have been able to receive credit for that first semester. Doesn't seem fair, but then that's the system. If he was going out there and he was playing like they had predicted him to play, he wouldn't be at Marshall Economics, wouldn't have had anything to do with him not being in St. Joe. Somebody would have made some kind of arrangement and the kid would have still been there. He's not making it like they thought he was going to make it on the basketball court, so he's not there. Simple as that. And it doesn't take no brilliant person to fight, figure that out. For the first two years of their high school careers, it seems William is going to be the one to make it. Unfortunately, a knee injury occurs in his sophomore year, and it ends up hurting him as he struggles to regain his freshman star form. The professional program style of St. Joe's, coupled with having a daughter during his junior year causes the viewer to see William become somewhat disillusioned with basketball by the end of the film, despite getting a scholarship to attend Marquette University. Senior year, the light starts to shine on Arthur. He leads his public school, Marshall, to the state tournament. This is a dream that William and him wanted to achieve together at St. Joe's. And through this, he starts to find his own way. Our next two clips show the separate attitudes of these two individuals. First, we hear William's final talk with legendary basketball coach Gene Pingator, where William seems dismissive of his time at St. Joe's, and the tension is palpable. Then we hear Arthur talking about going to the state tournament and how it was a dream of his and Williams, but he is doing it now on his own at a public school. And I had some real problems. I couldn't go to none of them about it. And I was having some problems with Catherine's family and my family, and I said, you know, Coach Pingator, you know, they family been getting on me about, you know, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. The only thing Coach Pingator could say is, write them off. That was all he told me. I was like, what kind of advice is that? Well, how does it feel to be finishing? St. Joe's helped me a lot. 
And as a result, I got a degree. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm going into communication. So when you start asking for a donation, I know the right way to turn you down. <laughs> I'm sure you'll never turn us down. Uh, I never really felt that he bought into the system. He was never convinced what he was doing was the right thing to do. But overall, he had a good career. Not a great career. It's never goodbye. Could have been different if the injury didn't occur. But it did occur. And that was the big difference. I'm proud of what you did. I expect you to do a lot better. I don't want this to be the, you know, the highlight of your career. You got a lot of bigger and better things to do. I'll see you later. Good luck. Well, another one walks out the door, another one comes in the door. That's what it's all about. And now we hear from Arthur. dream of like me and William taking them down state together. When I was at St. Joseph, maybe we could have went down state and maybe we couldn't. But we did when I'm at Marshall. Arthur's big fourth quarter helps add Batavia to Marshall's growing list of upsets. Spectacular comeback in the fourth quarter by the Commandos of In the post-game news conference, Coach Bedford labels his unranked team the Giant Killers. This film changed documentaries forever. It led to Best Documentary becoming an Academy Award category after outcry that it wasn't nominated for Best Picture due to its documentary status. It was the highest grossing documentary of all time, making nearly $12 million at the box office. And Roger Ebert called it his film of the decade for the 90s. It addresses many issues, social economic standing, race relations, community effect on the youth, and most importantly, the sports recruitment of kids. This movie addresses all of these things through the hardships and tragedies both William and Arthur suffer and their families deal with. There were many scenes that I wanted to include in this review, but really wanted you to get a broad scope of the film so you could see it for yourself. These scenes include Arthur's family having their lights disconnected, Arthur's dad buying drugs on a playground while Arthur is playing basketball, William struggling to get the required ACT score to get into college, and his multiple knee surgeries. However, William and Arthur overcome these issues and excel, not to spoil the film, but sadly, neither make it to the NBA. However, in a way, basketball does save them. They each receive $200,000 in royalties from the film following graduation from college. They could not get the payments while in college or they would have to forfeit their amateur status. This payment allowed them to get out of their troubled neighborhoods. 
start families and give their kids better than what they had. Although they did not achieve their hoop dream, it is safe to say the ultimate dream was achieved. Next week, grab your togas and get ready to shout because the film we will be looking at is National Lampoon's Animal House. For WMNH and Matt Connerton Unleashed, this has been a classic film review with Eric Filcher. back everybody it's matt connerton unleashed and we are live from the studios of wmnh 95.3 fm in glorious downtown manchester new hampshire and it is glorious it's a beautiful day out also on comcast 97 if you're in manchester and hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe you can go to my website mattconnerton.com for all of your live streaming options social media links contact info show archives etc etc today is friday march 18 2022 i do want to remind you that we are proudly sponsored by the hop knot in the brady sullivan at 1000 elm street they've got those delicious gourmet pretzels and the assortment of craft beer and tonight they have paul nelson performing live as they do have live music every friday night there at the hop knot so uh Please uh, stop by if you haven't done so already. I do also want to remind you, too, because it is Friday. Uh, coming up at 6 p.m. will be Granite State of Mind, hosted by the great Rob Azevedo. And then tonight from 7.30 to 10 p.m. is Retro Spectrum Radio with Paul E.C. And I am a participant in that program as well, along with our friends Dan Randlett and DJ Steve. And this week, the theme on Retro Spectrum Radio is war songs, or I should say anti-war songs, protest songs, and so forth. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so that will be uh, coming up tonight. And uh, by the way, we heard Eric Pilcher's classic film review of Hoop Dreams. And uh, he is in the chat and says, Hoop Dreams can be streamed on HBO Max, Plex, or Crackle. Uh, so if you're looking uh, for that film, I've never seen it. Uh, but I, re I remember when it came out, actually, uh, back in 1994. Wow. Uh, I do remember it got uh, excellent reviews. Uh, so joining us in the studio, we have at the news desk, there's the Honorable Tony LeBranch. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and on the couch, we have, uh, Rol I have to look at your name. I, I want to make sure I get it right. Rolf Van Bitter. Van Bibber. B -I -B -B Van Bibber. Oh, yes. Bibber. A little less honorable, too. Ah, yes. Rolf Van Bibber. Yeah. Yeah. You have not held office yet, correct? Well, you actually, or can you? At, at your 17? Well, I can run as a write-in candidate, or I can uh, send a letter, a letter of intent if, like, a position is open on a school oh. board or something like that. Uh, but I've never been selected, and I've never run as a write-in candidate. So no. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure how that, well, how that worked. Well, I, you I hold do. appointed office. I hold a few offices. Appointed, actually. 
Um, so I am a... The just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. I, I represent the class of 2023 in my local school governance. Uh, at Sohegan Cooperative High School, we have a body that is made of 46 members of the Sohegan community. We have representatives of the administration. We have representatives of the community that are appointed by the school board. We have a school board representative. We have a student who goes to the school board to represent the students at the school board. It's very complex. Wow. I'm one of the members of that. Um, and then I also serve uh, as the communications director, or what is the title called for them? Outreach coordinator of the Legislative Youth Advisory Council. Uh, of which, New Hampshire, which is Hampshire. a statutory body uh, made up of young individuals uh, representing the the opinions of the youth. Did you uh, just mansplain youth? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. <laughs> but yeah, as a youth myself, yes. it, it's a statutory body that is made up of people from all around the state, uh, in between the ages of six, some age to, to like twenty, 20 something, twenty something. Um, yeah, I serve as the outreach coordinator of that. Um, with my experience uh, campaigning with Representative LeBranch, and since I just have a general know how, like technologically with live streaming and mm -hmm. social media things like that yeah do you, do you plan to run for office that depends on how school works out um yeah. i i really don't know where i'm going as far as school goes i am an average student at best inside of the classroom outside of the classroom i'm, I'm I serve in the government. I mean, I'm I'm pretty yeah. good outside of the classroom. So I yeah, hope yeah. that my resume is good enough for some schools and oh, I'm some sure. scholarships as well. If I, if finances line up the, the the way I want them to, then you know maybe I'll continue living in New Hampshire and I'll be able to afford it and I'll be able to afford an education here. But which know. is a consistent issue in this state is that it's just unaffordable. Oh yeah, young people leave and never come back. So yeah, yeah that's very true. But Absolutely. With with fluid laws regarding you know whether college residents are actually residents of that town and whether they should vote and just me being you know i don't know where i'm going for college i don't know where i'm moving at the end of my high school career yeah so yeah i have no clue yeah but yeah. i want to yeah well you got plenty of time to figure it out so well seems like it now <laughs> right <laughs> That's true. And then it goes quicker than we know. Um, if you'd like to enter the discussion, 603-250-6007, uh, 603-250-6007. Uh, you can also text us at 617-917-4476. Tweet me at Matt Connerton or send an email to Matt at MattConnerton.com. And, of course, uh, you can also chime in in the Facebook live chat. 
But the best thing to do, of course, is to give us a call at 603-250-6007. And please don't wait too long. Don't wait till the last minute because it is Friday. We have uh, Rob will be in for Granted State of Mind in just a little bit. So uh, so don't uh, don't put that off. We would uh, love to hear from you uh, at 603-250-6007. What else? You guys were kind of talking about something off air that I don't know if you wanted to get into on air or we could briefly dip into it. Okay. All right. Uh, so the Amherst and Mont Vernon communities have been, uh, there's, there's been public coverage of some of this. Yeah. Uh, we had a band director at the high school who was, who, uh, mysteriously left, uh, last fall and students were confused and eventually an administrator had come in and tell them that their teacher had resigned, uh, through a lot of, disagreements and arguments and debates it was concluded and right to no request and right to no request oh. a lot of legal things really um it was concluded by the general public that he did not resign um because he was still on the payroll oh really yeah um i don't know how far i want to go into this just so that i can continue being on student leadership right <laughs> um, but there's a lot of conflict within our, our school district right now. And he's also gone again because he was um, under investigation by the Department of Education for... Uh, this was after he was reinstated. After he was reinstated he, he, because the community fought he back. He was pushed out by the superintendent because he opposed the superintendent's idea of a new position being created for the arts department. Mm-hmm. And this is what we call the domain leader. Um, so he disagreed with the superintendent on that. And that's why he got forced out the first time. But due to popular support, he's been teaching at Sauhegan for... 22 years. 22 years. So uh, everyone loves him. And for him to be forced out and just disappeared like that mysteriously without telling students or anybody, that was definitely hurtful for a lot of students. And a lot of people were confused. And to learn that he had actually not resigned and was being pushed out by the superintendent, he was eventually reinstated. But... um. Coming to this now, uh, the superintendent, and I'm going to use the keyword, allegedly made a false report to the New Hampshire. I will cut you off there. Thanks. I do not accept that allegedly because I'm closer in the Sohegan community at this point than Tony is. Ah. Um, through right to no request. Yes. We yeah. have concluded that the superintendent was considered a mandatory reporter uh, in a situation where he had found out that this band director had been in a, in they had some sort of interaction with i believe a former student according to what we got back from the right to know request and communications with the department of education uh 20 plus years ago in a district that was not so hegan oh um and he was immediately put on leave huh. investigative leave yeah and, and what makes it worse is that what makes it so evident that it was just another way of getting him out was the fact that the school district released a press release to all the big media outlets, to WMUR. They to directly all the, emailed it. Direct, Usually the Department of Education doesn't even... Doesn't even acknowledge pub, uh, if a teacher's uh, under investigation or not. They usually yeah. just are silent on it. broadcasted it more than they, they've ever broadcasted a, a championship game <laughs> or the founding of the school. I don't know. Like That is the most news coverage I have seen so he can get... Since Tony ran for school board, pretty much as a yeah. student. Um, wow! And obviously, it's 
it tarnishes very, his name and it, it hurts him and yeah to go that far to remove somebody because they disagree on budgeting and creating these new positions in the school is just disgusting and that's just one of the many issues we've had with our superintendent um he doesn't care about the school he only cares about himself and pushing his agenda and his career further i i will say that um he does not have any experience as an educator oh uh he came here as a business administrator from wyndham after he had similar conflicts there regarding certain lawsuits Uh, oh wow if you're interested google st pierre versus sau number 28 um (laughs) but uh generally not an education figure um more of a business guy more of a car salesman ah i I, I call him the used car salesman of superintendents because he (laughs) he knows how to talk a crowd but does he know education or how a school should run I wouldn't say so. Hmm. I don't think he's the experience that the community is looking for. I'm not going to make a bold statement as that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to stay open yeah. and stay in the um, student leadership. So. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It sounds like a complex. Um, it's a very complex situation. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole uh, the whole hierarchy there, whatever uh, term you want to use, it sounds. Uh, d- do you wish it was uh, simpler? So. Uh, the founding of Sohegan in 1992 was actually primarily a community-driven thing. It, it wasn't driven by any school officials. They had yeah. students come in, they had parents come in, and the students basically drafted the rules of the school. They made the student handbook. There's a constitution of the school that is still um, school district policy. Wow. And, like, legally enforceable. Oh, that's cool. That was written oh, by students. Interesting. Not exactly followed, um, yeah. but written by them. Yeah. And we've kind of thrown all of those values. We have uh, mottos that are like respect, trust, accountability. We have posters on the walls of the values that were laid out years ago. Mm-hmm. And then we just don't practice it. Mm. Yeah. Well, part of that is that it doesn't benefit the superintendent to follow through on those ideals because to push his agenda, he has removed every single administrator. So principal from our school district has been disappeared i would say has resigned on their own accord or so we are told but every single administrator in our school district is not the same since he became superintendent and now it seems that he's going after individual teachers because if you disagree with him um then you're out of a job is basically what i've heard from our school district and it's just really sad um that you know to see what was a student-centered school uh, where students were actually invested in making the rules because if they felt like they had a say yeah. in the rules, they would actually follow the rules, which was the case for a long time. There's a book about it. It's called The Standards of My Mind and Heart, Creating the Good High School by Peggy Silva and uh, Megan. Um, and it talks about how Sohegan is supposed to be a democratic school and there's just chapters and chapters. It's not even talking about how the school is run. It's talking yeah. about the philosophy huh. of the school and how it's supposed to be run. Um, so it's very deeply embedded, uh, especially with some of the staff that had stayed there since the school's founding, uh, or close to it, such as the band director. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Ah, such a tangled web. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Politics on every level can be like that, I suppose, including, uh, I mean, I've always gotten that impression, you know, school boards and such can be, uh, very, very, uh, quite political. Uh, by the way, Rob Azevedo is here uh, over there in the corner. Did you want to jump in with us, Rob, and uh, 
you know, I mean, geez, you've got you've got kids in school. You you might have. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, of course, host of. Uh, talking about Manchester school system, I take it. Well, no, 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 because we don't we don't talk uh, local. Uh, that, I didn't think you did. Yeah. 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 No, these guys. What what uh, what what school districts does this encompass again? I can't keep it straight in my SAU head. SAU thirty nine, which consists of Amherst and Mount Vernon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that way. Yeah. Yeah, I have a kid up in uh, Pembroke now at uh, Pembroke Academy, but he spent a few years at Central. That's uh, a good school, right, PA? It is. I got to be honest. Um, That's what I. It's heard, also his but... effort too, but he has gone from like a two O GPA to over well over a three. Really smaller classes. Uh, He's really like, I don't know, you know. I think I think there's less distractions, you know what I mean. So uh, he really does enjoy the teachers very much too. Yeah. Um, yeah. They see the different grading system though. There's no A B C D. It's like f- five four. We uh, really at, at yeah. Amherst and Mount Vernon we have a one through four grading. system. That's it. That's that's no what kidding. I a four is a one hundred and A plus the best you can do. But a three is meeting standards. So if you take a test and you get a 100 on it, then you meet the standards if it's like a uh, multiple choice test. Uh, but if huh. if you go above and beyond, you can't really get recognition for that. Yeah. Uh, and you can't get a true 100 on a multiple choice test, uh, at least compar- comparable to our grading system. Does that ever happen? Oh, yeah. I'm only kidding. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, Matt, uh, do, have you ever heard of that, where you get grades, you know, one through no. four instead of, uh, you that's, know. That's new to me. That's yeah. interesting. Right. That's interesting. I mean, does that, in a way, I guess, maybe it, uh, do they do that to, uh, there must be a reason for it, right? Why that instead of. It's, so my community, at least, implemented it around the same time that we implemented competency-based learning. Uh so no, it was it was there before competency based. Before, game. okay. Tony was there longer than I was. No, yeah, it's always been a Sahigan thing. Of one is you're not even close. Two is you're getting close to it. Three is you meet the expectation that we have, and four is you're exceeding. You're great. Yeah. So I loved that system. You would still get a, you'd still get like a ninety for getting a three, which was pretty great. So it's like a curved grading system, I would say. Well, what, what is that, ter- that term competency-based learning? What's that? So the idea behind competency-based education is if you do get that four, that means you've already, not only have you met the standard for the topic, but you're going above your grade level, for example. So what this competency-based education does is that you go at your own pace. So oh. if you're doing great, you're getting 100 on every test, maybe we should start giving you harder tests. Maybe we should give you a... a a more complicated class, like an AP class. Yeah. Um, so this competency-based education would make it so that you could be a freshman in high school and you're doing so well. Maybe you're taking junior year classes because you're just that smart or just doing so well. That makes sense too, I think, because uh, you know a lot of students, they get bored in school if, mm-hmm. if they're not challenged enough. I'd so. also say it builds a stronger community. I, I have a math class right now with quite a few sophomores and they're geniuses of really, their yeah. age, really, because yeah. you know they're, they're in a higher class. Mm-hmm. But it it also just feels like there's such a tighter community within the school as a whole because there's cross yeah intermixing of the of the grades yeah. So, yeah yeah oh that's interesting very interesting huh um yeah and I, I imagine in the future you know in you know future generations uh, education will continue to evolve and and uh, you know there'll be all these different uh, approaches to it that you know to you know, sounds strange to guys like Rob and I because we're not used to that. You know, we grew up with you know A B C mm-hmm. D F, 
Um, but and, uh, and SAT scores meant everything. Now, oh, yeah. they're, now they're not even. It doesn't seem like they're as important, or which is great for you guys, man. Well, unfortunate for me, I got a better but, SAT score than most of my grade, and I suck in terms yeah. of grading. Oh, really? I, I oh, am. Yeah. I am an. Uh, lower to mid student in class and I, I did fine on my SAT. Well, I think did, part huh? of it's the yeah. you get bored type of issue where it's like we're passionate about politics and actually doing stuff outside of the classroom that actually is fulfilling to us mm -hmm. than sitting in the classroom like Oh, I'm in algebra too. I can see that. Yeah. So fun. Got to do your time though. I know. Isn't it funny because you're unless you're going into science or something, I don't know. There was so much that Matt, you were saying about keeping you engaged. It's like Yeah. There was so much that did growing up that didn't teach me anything once I got out of high school. Yeah. Like I always wish there was a a, a class on you go to a class of how to get a job, okay? How to build a resume. Um, stuff like that would be great. Or uh, how to balance, uh, you know, checkbooks, things that you're going to need, uh, you know, soon after getting out of high school. I'd agree with that because I think the most we'd have is like a class, like a day on a budget or something like that. Well, we we do have, at least in terms of postgraduate planning, at, at Sohegan we have this program called uh, Postgrad Planning. Uh, very funny. Uh, <laughs> where you basically learn how to create a resume, you learn mm -hmm. what needs to be on it, you learn what maybe you should leave off of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of just get the steps of how to move along and mm -hmm. sort of building college applications and having ideas for that. Yeah. Uh, but doesn't really do anything for the actual workforce. Mm -hmm. Kind of just getting. <laughs> but what there. about learning to interview too? I would lo have yeah. loved to. You know, you don't usually. I mean, I didn't pick up how to interview until I was in my late twenties or whatever. I would have loved to have had a class on. This is how you 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 know. This is what you're going to come across in these certain interviews here. How to find jobs. We yeah. actually implement that into our grading system. So our grading system right now is, at least this is, how I interpret it, kind of sectionalized based off of what skills you are using in that class. So say for my English class, you can have a writing score or you can have a um, speaking and listening score, which is usually my best score, uh, <laughs> where you, you do have to have these Socratic discussions with people and they will have whole projects. They mm -hmm. will dedicate two weeks or so to having these discussions. Um, where they just sit down and make the students talk to each other. And I think that's something that's quite unique to Sohegan, yeah. where they actually have forced discussions. Eventually, that kind of tapers off, and it just happens in some advanced classes. And if not, you're just sitting down for a class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I've definitely had many great conversations in my human geography class of just like, let's talk about separatist movements. Let's, talk, let's let Tony talk about Quebec for 30 minutes, <laughs> which is actually something I was going to talk about yesterday for St. Patrick's Day. I was going to... Oh. Talk about the plight of the people of Northern Ireland and then connect it to my history of, you know, Quebec nationalism and the oppression by British people. But obviously, after ending the day off with a very controversial debate on the Israeli-Palestinian <laughs> conflict and angering the entire house, I decided not to talk about it. Yeah. At least I'll save it for next time, maybe. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, although, definitely. Although uh, you've, you've only got so many next times if, if you're not running for another term. For sure. <laughs> I'd say that my involvement in politics has only helped me uh, in terms of those grades specifically about, you know, being able to comprehend an argument and being able to listen to people and actually build off of what they are saying. And it's quite a unique experience where I'm able to come into a classroom and the teacher will be discussing, discussing some bill. Say last year, one of my sophomore economics teachers... Um, 
basically posted the uh, House Bill 544, uh, which is the banning, banning of talking about discrimination or any minority group or uh, anything that really portrays America in a negative light historically. Yeah. Um, and rather than actually teach it, he put it on the Google Classroom because he knew that I'd just talk about it the whole class. And he oh. just put me at the front of the class. So those experiences where you can just, you know, be genuinely engaged yes. in what's happening in your community and what's happening in the classroom and you feel like you can teach from a genuinely informed perspective um, people that it's of interest to. They mm -hmm. need to hear it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's quite a unique experience. You need to be able to have more open discussions and let students lead the classroom sometimes if they're really passionate about something and it's a current issue, at least in those Socratic classes. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, we're going to uh, start to wrap up because uh, Rob's got Granite State of Mind coming up next. Yep. Uh, what do you uh, What do you have for we're this week, We're going metal tonight, Oh, Matt. yeah? We're going metal. We're going with a band, a uh, local band called Purging Sin. And Ah, I've interviewed them. You have? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, Purging Sin, they should be here any minute now. Oh, very um, good. So they're going to come in here and do a stripped-down set, uh, but this guy, Anthony, um, I forget his last name, but, uh, God, he can play guitar like a son of a gun so they're yeah. coming in tonight we're going to do that and then we're going to play some music and um we're going to talk about some events going on around town upcoming record store day open mics down the bookery you know this oh. that and the other thing excellent excellent you know? what do you have uh do you you had a show coming up what is it this month well at the... yes we just did a live broadcast this past wednesday Oh, okay. uh, down at the bookery we did a whole broadcast we did the same show matt that we do here yeah yeah uh we just we had an audience though yeah. and it was great turnout which uh, i'm talking to my wife on the ride down i'm like god i hope five people show up you know yeah yeah um <laughs> oh yeah we had near 20 25 so that's a that's a sold out you know spectrum type uh for a bookstore so it felt really good we recorded it we got the recording down so that episode will be broadcasting on granite state of mind uh the monday monday and wednesday i think excellent yeah man excellent very good very good well uh so be sure to stick around for that rob azavito will be up at 6 p.m with granite state of mind and then uh tonight at 7 30 from uh, 7 30 to 10 p.m of course retro spectrum radio with paul ec yeah, and uh tonight we're doing anti-war songs protest songs so mm. very uh very appropriate my favorite flavor yeah there you go <laughs> do you guys uh, uh have anything uh you wanted to before we start to wrap up anything we didn't get to that you wanted to mention anything you want to plug any websites or social media or, or anything at all i always forget to do this but if you want to follow me on social media at tony lebranch or at tony dot lebranch depending on the website but you can check both please give me a follow and you will have some based commentary on what happens in the state house excellent excellent very based, very based. and then i also have uh, my twitter handle at least is rolf all immune r-o-l-f-o L E M U N E, Rofalimune. I was very good at the spelling bees in my younger years. <laughs> um, and you can also write down my name somewhere. If you see me on a ballot anytime in the future, please vote for me. Thank you. Outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> Guys, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, I really enjoyed the discussion. We should do this more often. This is this is great. I really appreciate you guys coming in. And um, it's a pleasure to be on. Yeah. No. Ab ab absolutely. And you know. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on over the weekend, uh, Russia and Ukraine. I'll tell you, it looks like, uh, boy, the Russians are really having a hard time and it's good to see. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Ukrainians are having a terrible time and, and it's awful to see, but, uh, I love seeing those Russian tanks getting stuck in the mud. I love it. <laughs>
So uh, so we will wrap up, guys. Thanks again. And if you missed any part of today's show, it will be up in just a little bit at WMNHradio.org and at my website, mattconnerton.com. Rob Azevedo is up next at 6 p.m. tonight. His guests, Purging Sin. Yeah, Jenny and I interviewed those guys uh, a few years ago on the show, so that's really cool. And then I will talk at you all a little bit later tonight at 7.30 on Retro Spectrum Radio with Paul E. C. I will... See you then. Bye, everybody. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 